Park Hill family. We're the Yulees. My name is Faith and this is my husband, Jacob. And today we're coming to you from Mira Mesa. Um, today we're going to be reading from Luke 7 verses 20 through 23. You can follow along with me. I'll be reading out of the NIV. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So Jesus replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. This is the word of the Lord. Wonderful. Thank you, Yulis. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Park Hill Church. We are in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit. We're asking, who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And today is part two, does God heal today? Uh, if you missed last week, I highly recommend you go back and listen. Today really is part two. Like we walked through the scriptures last week and we saw not just how God healed through Jesus in the scriptures, but how because of the spirit, God continues to do that stuff today through followers of Jesus. And we can expect it, which obviously raised some questions. I told you we'd get to them. Well, here we are. If the spirit of God heals today, why is there so much sickness and suffering why does it seem like most of our prayers for healing go unanswered? And how do we do it? How do we pray for healing today? These are what we're going to address today. And, and obviously a teaching like this will give rise to a bunch of other questions. So I want to recommend again, I don't have it on me. It's in my backpack. Power Healing by John Wimber. Such a good book. So much balance and theology and scripture and experience. So beautiful. Um, get Power Healing. Read it. Um, so before we dive in, let's pray again. Let's invite the presence of God. All right, take a deep breath. Holy Spirit, would you come? Make us aware of what you want to do in our communities, in our rooms, whether we're watching alone or with others. You are covering the distance, Holy Spirit. You are uniting your people. Thank you for what you're doing in this new crazy moment. You are wildly active and we praise you for that. Come and heal, heal our bodies. Heal our souls. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so we read, the Yulis read from Luke chapter seven. Let's look at it again. It's gonna be on the screen. See what's going on here. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Okay, so what's going on here? The, the broader story is that John the Baptist is in prison and it's super dark. He's awaiting his execution and he's suffering and doubting. It's a dark moment. And then contrast that with the rest of the chapter. It's this bright moment of healing and power and signs of the kingdom all around Jesus. Um, Jesus is even like raising people from the dead. There's a story in this chapter where Jesus 
raises a guy from the dead during his funeral. It's crazy. It's amazing. And Luke is intentionally contrasting the kingdom of Jesus healing with the dark kingdom of suffering and death that's also coexisting. So this chapter is showing you this tension here. There's two kingdoms at war. And this is important for today. This is important. So John is seeing the darkness and he's like, Jesus, I thought you were the Messiah. Are you really? Like I see suffering. I don't see the signs of it right now. Are you really bringing the kingdom of God? And the kingdom of God is what Israel wanted. And honestly, if we're telling the truth about our culture, it's what our culture wants. We want healing. We want racism to go away. We want peace and justice to rule. We want every arrogant mountain to be brought down and every oppressed valley to be brought up. This is the justice of Jesus. And this is the kingdom of God. And we want it. Um, Is that, so how do we understand the kingdom in scripture? We have to understand the kingdom before we understand healing. This is what we're talking about. This is where we're going today. Does God heal? And so what is the kingdom and what does it have to do with healing? Well, first of all, the kingdom was Jesus's main message. As he went around healing, he said this, this was the first recorded words of Jesus in the gospel of Mark. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's the central message of Jesus. The phrase, the kingdom of God, it happens 82 times in the gospels. And we're mostly like Americans right now. So we don't really get the idea of kingdom. Um, Patrick Schreiner, his definition is the kingdom of God is the king's people in the king's place with the king's power. I love that. God's kingdom is all three of those things at once. God's people, place, and power together forever. And, and that's what we see in the story of the Bible at the very beginning, creation. You see God's people, Adam and Eve, in God's place, Eden, with God's power. They're ruling and reigning over creation. That's God's kingdom, you guys. And then when Adam and Eve blew it, if you know the story, they took ruling and reigning into their own hands and they joined the kingdom of Satan and they abandoned the kingdom of God. And because of that, the rest of the Old Testament is the story of Israel longing for the kingdom again. Israel's prophets see glimpses of it, but they never fully get there. And the Old Testament ends like a cliffhanger. It's like, where is the kingdom? We've been promised it. We want it. We know it's supposed to be here, but it's not. And the feeling is, when will the people, place, and power of God come together again? And then Jesus steps on the scene, right? And Jesus's whole message is, now is the time. Now is the moment when the people, place, and power of God come together again and now they're never coming apart, ever, because of Jesus. And Jesus says, here's the signs that this is true. Healing the sick, blind seeing, lame walking, sinful people forgiven, demons losing power, lost people belonging, and even dead people being raised. So when John the Baptist is in a moment of weakness, just like many of us are right now in this crazy dark moment, Jesus is like, hey, go tell John the Baptist all of those signs of the kingdom that were prophesied, the healings, they're happening. So tell them just to connect the dots, you guys. I'm the Messiah and my kingdom is here to stay. And then Jesus adds something almost unbelievable. John's messengers leave and then Jesus turns to his disciples and he says this, Luke 7, 28. 
I tell you, among those born of women, there's no one greater than John, yet the one who's least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So this is huge. In other words, the greatest of the old era, the prophets and the Old Testament folks, they don't even touch the lowest in the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about you and me in the church right now. You and me with the power of the spirit, followers of Jesus, even when we're distanced like this, we are in the kingdom of God. Because of Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and the outpouring of the spirit, we live in the new era where the spirit of God fills all of God's people with God's power in every place. No matter if we're in a building or another country or on a beach or in a bedroom, the spirit of God is empowering and filling his people in every place. The kingdom of God is here. Which raises the questions, right? If the kingdom is here, why is there still suffering? Why does it seem like most of our prayers for healing don't work? And this is why I said last week that it's really hard to preach on this well. Um, Here it is. All healing needs to be understood inside the now and not yet kingdom of God. You get that? If you only take one thing from this two-part teaching, I hope it's this. For Jesus, the kingdom of God is both a reality now and a reality that is yet to come. It's both. This is the key to understanding not just healing, but everything God is doing in the world. Life in the spirit means life in the now, not yet kingdom. And it's full of power and pain, healing and suffering resurrection and dying, you guys. And if that feels confusing, intense, welcome. Like you get it, that's the, that's the idea. It's confusing, intense here. This is the messy middle. For Jesus, the kingdom of God is a reality now and a future reality. There's this future aspect that we're still waiting for. And it will only be fulfilled when Jesus comes again, the second coming, right? Jesus calls this the end of the age. There are over 300 references to the second coming of Christ in the New Testament. There's going to be a universal uh, resurrection. Everybody's going to rise and then Jesus will judge the entire creation and there will be a new heaven and new earth and Jesus himself will be there and so will everyone who loves and obeys Jesus. And, And we're going to get new immortal bodies, you guys. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 43 says this, and there will be no more death or crying or pain and everybody will be completely healed on that day. Revelation 21, 4 says, uh, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. But until that day, we're in the waiting. We're waiting and it hurts. In Paul's words, Romans 8, 23, we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for the redemption of our bodies. Welcome to the now and not yet kingdom of God. This is why, this is the answer to our question. This is why the world is currently a place where suffering and healing coexist, where miracles And unanswered prayer are both realities. They're both together in this 
messy middle. So if you're a visual learner, here's a cool graphic Jake Fisher helped me make. Uh, It'll help us wrap our minds around this. You put up the first slide of that graphic. I love Venn diagrams. Um, So the authors of the Bible, they divided up history like this, two ages. You see the two circles. The first one is the present age, and the second is the age to come. In the present age, first slide still, uh, this fallen world is the present age. The dominion of darkness, it's out of step with the creator's good desires because of sin and Satan and death. Things are not the way they're supposed to be in the present age. Next slide. The second is the age to come. This is when Messiah comes and brings God's healing into the world, the whole world, and oppression and justice is over and God's people are in perfect relationship with one another, with themselves, and with creation and God. And so the, the third slide is interesting. You see the two, the, sta- the two starting points. At Jesus' first coming, what was that? That was like Christmas, born in a manger, cross, resurrection. In Jesus' first coming, the age to come came crashing into the present. The kingdom of God came crashing into the kingdoms of the world. Hallelujah, right? And from then on, nothing will stop this thing. That's why Jesus says, not even the gates of hell will stand against my church. But if you look at the picture, the present age is still here. Sin and Satan and corrupt politicians and COVID and racism, it's all here. But according to 1 Corinthians, Paul says, it's the age that is passing away. Jesus is winning, but it won't be fully gone until the second coming. See it? Now the fourth slide of the graphic, that's where we are. Welcome to the messy middle. The now, not yet. There we are. All right. It's so important to keep this perspective, you guys, because right now, you guys, not everyone is healed. The messy middle is where we pray for healing and it happens just during prayer today. Jared here, he prayed for the other Jared, two Jareds. Um, Jared on the camera prayed for Jared on the live stream cam- uh, computer for his, for his back to be healed and immediately the pain went away. It ha- that happens all the time, you guys, because the kingdom is now. But the kingdom is also not yet, which is why 99 times out of 100 doesn't seem to happen. It's so important to keep this perspective because at this moment, if you haven't noticed, not everybody is healed. John Wimber, the author of Power Healing, even though God used him to heal people miraculously, John himself never recovered from incurable cancer and eventually it took his life. And he said it this way, the real gift is salvation, eternal life, and all the things that Jesus gives us. If we are healed physically in this life, that's a bonus. (laughs) He had such a humble, simple way of saying it. And yeah, according to Jesus and the New Testament, the kingdom of God is now and not yet. Or sometimes people get prayed for and they get healed. Again, this, this happens. You guys, just a couple weeks ago in our daily prayer over Zoom, you guys should come by the way, it's awesome. Uh, but just a couple weeks ago, a girl said she has a headache, asked for prayer, and a guy in the, in the room prayed for her, headache vanished, never came back, instantly. Um, Aaliyah, one of our leaders, you know Aaliyah personally, for years, Aaliyah had major seizures. Um, it was a nervous system thing for, for 
two to three times a year, she'd have serious seizures and she'd go to the chiropractor just to keep it under control because at worst, it would be five times a week she'd get these seizures. And three years ago, two of her friends prayed for her and it's been three years, zero seizures and not one chiropractor visit. Um, And the thing is, Aaliyah confesses she did not have the faith to be healed, but her friends did, right? It's reminiscent of that story where four friends brought the lame man through the roof to Jesus and Jesus saw their faith and healed him. This happens, you guys. It's amazing. Why does it happen? Because the kingdom of God is now. And because the kingdom of God is not yet, global pandemics rip through society and faithful Christians die of incurable cancer. Sandy and I had the privilege of leading worship at Jeremy and Melissa Camp's funeral. Uh, Sorry, wedding. (laughs) Wow. Uh, uh, Jeremy and Melissa Camp's wedding. Uh, There was also a funeral, and that's part of the story. Liongate Films made a movie about his, his story, I Still Believe. I was in his band at the time, and you know, if you look for a keyboardist in the movie and you see one, let Jeremy know. I'm still waiting for my royalties for that. Just kidding. But uh, Sandy and I vividly remember when Melissa was dying of incurable cancer. Melissa was a friend of mine, went to my church. I went to college with her. Um, And Sandy and I, we remember sitting in the spaghetti factory on a double date with the camps and they were just married and they were like 100% convinced beyond doubt that Jesus was going to miraculously heal her. And they had hundreds of thousands of people praying powerfully, fervently. And everyone was just convinced God was going to do something to shock the world. And I've rarely, if ever, seen that kind of faith since. Uh, It's crazy when you know someone like that who has hundreds of thousands of people praying for uh, your friend. It's a crazy feeling. Um, expecting a miracle, but there was a funeral. She died. That's because the kingdom of God is not yet. So this is the main point I want to make today. If all you get from this is this, we're in good shape. We have to live in the tension between the now and the not yet kingdom of God. Because what most people end up doing are you with me on this? What most people end up doing, we tend to pick a side, right? It's either all not yet or it's all now. So on one side, you have the all not yet camp and they might be on the more conservative side and there's a word for this, it's cessationism. And the basic idea of this, all not yet, is like, oh, Jesus will totally hear you, heal you, and, and uh, he'll heal you after you die at the resurrection. Until then, we'll pray for your peace and strength and whatever else, but we won't pray boldly for your healing because God will do whatever he wants anyway. And it's no wonder why Christians don't live in passionate expectation for God to heal. And then on the other side, you have the all now camp. And the idea here is God always wants to heal. So if you pray for healing and don't get healed, then that's not God's problem. It's your problem. It's either your absence of faith or presence of sin or something else wrong with you. And that's what's keeping you from receiving the gift of healing. And you can imagine like the psychological damage and the shame that this kind of thinking can cause. I've spoken with people from our church who are still healing from this kind of thinking about healing. 
And so we have to live in the tension between the now and the not yet. Yes, the kingdom is now. So we can and should expect healing to happen and pray in faith. But know that the kingdom is not yet and resurrection is coming. And that's where our hope is ultimately rooted. And this tension is so hard, you guys, because right now during a pandemic, there's waiting and asking and disappointment. The messy middle isn't fun. Picking a side is fun because it brings certainty and comfort and lack of nuance and it's easier. But the scriptures tell us life in the spirit is life in the in-between. Life in the now and not yet kingdom of God. And I wanna say this, I believe this. Because the kingdom of God is now, generally speaking, Jesus wants you healthy and whole. Like Jesus, I believe that. It seems to me from the scriptures, generally speaking, sickness is not God's will for your life. Wholeness is God's will for your life. The ancient Hebrew writers had a word for this. It was shalom. And this is God's will. And I know right now, a lot of us are thinking that's so loaded. Like, how dare you say that? Like if shalom is God's will for me, then why don't I get more shalom when I ask God for it? Why do so many prayers for healing go unanswered? And I think there are so many reasons for this. So many reasons that we can't get into all of them today. But first of all, I I wanna say this, God's will isn't the only will out there. This is why a theology of the demonic is so important. There are lots of wills in the world, angelic, demonic, human wills that God allows to freely operate because God loves freedom to choose to love because God is love. I think of Paul in his second letter to Corinth, he talks about his ongoing physical pain. He says in in 2 Corinthians, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. So you guys, Paul prays for healing and God basically says, no, my grace is enough for you. But please note Please catch this. Paul does not say the sickness is from God. In fact, he specifically says the opposite. It's a messenger from Satan. (laughs) So the sickness isn't from Jesus. It's It's not like, hey, I'm Jesus. Here's cancer. It's something good from me to you to teach you a lesson. That's not what it says. And that idea is nowhere in the scripture. But a lot of people think that way. Listen, Jesus promises to bring good through your suffering, but this does not mean your suffering is from Jesus. It all starts acknowledging that God is good. God is good. Everything starts with his character being good. Are you with me? Please hear this, it's so important. When something horrible happens, and then something beautiful comes out of it. We don't say that was Jesus being horrible, doing something horrible to me so that he could be seen as beautiful. So let's just worship him. No, that was evil. And Jesus is beautiful. Look how wise Jesus is to step into sin and Satan and death and make something beautiful out of it. That's what's going on with Paul here. God's will is that we would all experience his shalom and healing 
But God's will isn't the only will out there. A messenger from Satan tormented Paul. Paul asked for healing, but but Jesus, for reasons we will never fully understand, says, no, I'm not healing you now. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And there are questions there that we can ask until we're with God in heaven because we will not understand all of it today. According to the scriptures, this is what we know for sure. Jesus is after your shalom, your healing, your forgiveness, the whole nine yards. God's will is to heal and rescue now because the kingdom is now. If I sound like a broken record, sorry, not sorry. And at the same time, the kingdom is not yet, which means there's multiple wills at war in the world. And this is also why, another reason, many times when people are healed, the healing is temporary or incomplete or delayed or best case scenario, we live another 40 years and we die. And this is not to be a downer. Uh, It's to highlight the fact that as Jesus followers, we're waiting for a day when our crucified King returns physically and brings his kingdom fully to rid the universe of viruses and demons and systemic racism and poverty and death, rid it forever. But right now this is only partially realized. It's now and not yet. Which is why when we pray for God to heal, often nothing happens. And other times we pray and there's a partial healing, a partial healing. Or we pray repeatedly and there's incremental components to the healing. One of our leaders has a parent with cancer and they've been praying for the past month for for complete divine healing from her mom's cancer. And last week they found out that the tumor got smaller without any treatment, not gone, just smaller, partial healing. Another example from our team, Matt Persley, you guys know him. Uh, Three years ago, same time as his wife's Aaliyah's healing, Matt's friend uh, took him to a prayer meeting and the friend's like, hey, I I get the sense, do you have pain in your lower back? He didn't know, it was a word of knowledge. The spirit gave him a prompting, pain in your lower back. And Matt did, he had back pain. It was a hemorrhaged disc from years before it was diagnosed and every time he walked or turned, there was a grinding sensation that was painful um, from years in the construction industry. And so they prayed for his healing and, and immediately after that prayer, he has had no more lower back grinding while walking. However, the upper back pain related to that injury is still there, although it's far less intense and it stayed that way. Uh, It's not gone, it's partially healed. And this is the now not yet kingdom. This side of heaven, all healing is at best temporary. One day Christ will make all things new, but right now the kingdom is now not yet. And so is our experience of healing. This is the tension we have to live in as followers of Jesus. And so we're gonna wrap up with a couple practical ways we can pray for healing. But before we do, there's one more element of this that I think is really beautiful, biblical, and important to know. So here it is. You ready? You with me? This is a packed sermon. Um, so here it is. According to the scriptures, we humans, we're like multi-layered creatures, spiritual, emotional, physical. And so our healing often is multi-layered. What do I mean by that? What do I mean? Well, here's t- there's tons of examples in the scripture of this. Here's just three. 
We already saw the first one. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. That's physical. That was from Satan, demonic. So it's physical and demonic components to it. Here's another example. Jesus in Matthew 9 forgives a man's sin, that's spiritual healing, as he heals his legs, physical healing. So there's a spiritual and physical intersection for that healing. And Mark 5, Jesus healed a woman with a 12-year-long bleeding issue. That's a physical issue. While simultaneously calling her daughter, he's addressing her emotional healing needs. And he speaks shalom. He speaks peace and calls her daughter. He heals her physically and emotionally at the same time. So these are the last examples I want to give from, from my own experience of, of this multi-layeredness. And so the church that planted Park Hill, Westside in Portland, I was leading worship at Westside and one of the pastors had a word of knowledge. There was someone in the room who had lost use of their hand. And so he said, hey, if there's anyone who can't use their hand, come forward, we'd love to pray for healing for you. And this woman came forward who couldn't use her hand and, and they prayed for her for like 10, 15 minutes and nothing was happening. And one of the leaders, as they're praying, they just sensed the words bitterness and forgiveness, bitterness and forgiveness. And they're like, okay, Lord, how do I say this lovingly? And so they said, lovingly, I'm hearing this. What do you make of this? You have bitterness and, and God wants to give forgiveness and trade, trade those two things. And she just started weeping and confessing sin and her hand opened up and was restored. She came for physical healing, but there was a spiritual healing to do. And then the flip, the flip side happened at Westside too. A woman came forward to be baptized. It was baptism Sunday. We love that. And little did we know she also had stage four cancer. After her baptism, she just came to be baptized, spiritual healing. But after her baptism, she went to her uh, checkup and all traces of the cancer were gone. Like the doctors didn't know why, it was in remission. Um, we weren't even praying for her healing, you guys, like physically. Uh, she came for spiritual forgiveness of sin and baptism into the family of Jesus, but God had some physical work to do in her. And here's the point, you guys, other than God is God and does what he wants, for sure, but the point is, as humans, we are holistic creatures, which means God wants to heal us holistically, like mind and body and spirit. We live in a world with all these different dynamics at play. The author of Acts, he, he describes Jesus this way, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were what? Under the power of the devil because God was with him. Wait a minute, is Jesus freeing people from the devil here or is he healing physical sickness here? Yep, like both were happening there. I'm not saying all sickness is from the devil at all, but there are times when they intersect. This is what the scriptures show us. And don't get me wrong, you guys, we have a lot of medical professionals in our church, doctors, nurses, public health experts, all kinds of medical professionals. And I'm pretty sure Jesus is a huge fan of your job. Like you are healers and we're so grateful for you. And we realize how tiring and frustrating and sacrificial your job is right now. We love you, you're healers. And God loves healers, I think. He is the Lord who heals. And so if it heals people, God is into it. 
whether it's science, whether it uses medicine or research or prayer or fasting or community, the picture we see in the Bible is both and, not either or, okay? We're holistic beings. And I love how Wimber says it. It's not the release from pain and sickness that's the primary goal of healing. It's the release from the guilt of sin. So here we are at the end of the teaching. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, I'd venture to say it's, you know, you probably have prayed for healing and it didn't happen like a lot. Uh, for every story of miraculous healing, there's like a thousand where it seems like nothing happens. And why is that? Because we live in the now, not yet kingdom of God, where we experience suffering and expect healing. It's a messy middle. Park Hill Church family, wherever you are, if you're outside in a group on the grass, again, if you're inside, wherever you are, God is inviting you into life in the spirit where you can receive healing, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, or deliverance from the demonic. We're gonna talk about that in a couple of weeks. Dr. Gary Bashirs will be speaking on like the realm of the spirit and demonic deliverance. It's gonna be powerful. But wherever you are, let's be open to praying for healing. <laughs> Praying for God to come in and bring his kingdom into our physical, emotional, spiritual lives. I believe the more people we pray for, the more we'll be healed. As one pastor used to say, it's better to pray a thousand times for healing and see one than to never pray and never see one. So how do we operate in the gift of healing? How do we do this? Where do we start? Some of us, this is like, whoa, this is crazy. This is too much. No, there's a very natural beautiful biblical way. I'd love to just submit to you as uh, Jordan and Brian come back. They're going to lead us in a song. Uh, we're going to pray together after, immediately after this live stream, we're going to pray together over Zoom. So if you want to click on prayer response under this live stream, as soon as this teaching is over during the last song, and I'll be there and we'll be leading a prayer time for healing. If you're meeting in a community, pray together as a community. This is what this moment is for. So very practically, five questions to bring to the table. How do we do this? Number one, ask, where does it hurt? You're praying for healing, ask where it hurts. Be specific, be specific about it and be intentional. We are communicating with God and one another. So be as specific and intentional with our prayer as you can. Where does it hurt? Then number two, why does this person have this condition? Remember, we're multi-layered beings. On the surface, it might look like a bad back or hip pain, but there might be something deeper that God wants to do. Listen to the spirit. Number three, ask, how, how do I pray? This is you asking the spirit, how do I pray? There's some clear examples in scripture of anointing with oil, James 5, laying on of hands, Luke 4. But in this time of distance, guess what? We have another story of Jesus healing long distance, a centurion servant by the word of his mouth. We can pray this way right now over Zoom or wherever. If you're gathered with your community, do this. And then number four, after you pray for the person, just ask them, how are you feeling now? Like, how do you feel now? That arm pain, that hip pain, what are you experiencing now? Sometimes people feel nothing, which in, in that case, you can continue to pray as you feel led. Jesus in Mark 8 prayed multiple times for a guy whose healing came partially. 
Other times people experience a feeling of healing. They're like, I feel like I'm better. In which case only time will tell. Just trust Jesus and celebrate what God did. And number five, finally, just ask what's next. Like, what's next for this person? What does Jesus want this person to step into? And number one, reassure people of their of God's love for them. And and don't put burdens on people. Don't suggest that it's their lack of faith that healing didn't happen or whatever. Remember, it's not the release of pain that's God's ultimate goal. It's the release from sin and ultimately the release from death that Jesus promises us. So you guys, God's not limited. We have his spirit. The Holy Spirit's not constrained by guidelines or distance or whatever. People are in hospital rooms alone. Pray for them. Pray, pray for them from a distance. No visitors allowed. It's lonely in those hospital rooms. Let's pray for them. We have the power of the Spirit to pray as children of the living God. Don't give up praying. As we move into 2020, the second half, let's be found in prayer and dependence, not caught up in the noise of politics or where we think government should do or where churches should be. Let's not get caught up in the divisive rhetoric of our time. Let's be found in childlike dependence on the spirit to heal and to save in this moment. So we're gonna, at the end of this, uh, after we take communion, we're gonna move into prayer over Zoom. And if you're meeting with your community, do it together as communities. Let's invite the spirit to come heal. Amen, church. Let's worship him right now. Let's sing.